Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we continue our story series. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. It was better this time, okay? It would have been better if you hadn't given me scared eyes the whole way through that. You <laughs> looked like a deer in the headlights. You were like, is it gonna work? I'm throwing the rails down as I go! Oh god! <laughs> but really, though, because I forgot that, like, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't just do our normal because, like, we haven't done that for now five episodes. It's like... I should probably do something different. Or is this episodes? I don't know how many episodes it's been. This is episode five. We keep, I keep canceling weeks because my life was falling apart for a little, not falling apart. It was just very busy. Oh yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that actually. Anyways, doesn't matter. So Cody, what have you been enjoying recently? Okay. So first off, I got my vaccine yesterday. Yes. I am having mild side effects. I do not regret getting vaccinated, but Yesterday, I felt like garbage, and today, I have a little bit of a headache, but, like, it's very low-key next to getting the coronavirus, so... Right? Get vaccinated, everybody. Please get it vaccinated, wasn't that bad. everybody. Like, okay, I mean, you had side effects. I only had arm soreness for, like, a day and a half, and then I was good. The so, arm like, soreness get I vaccinated. had, now it's mostly gone, but yeah, it was, you know. Yeah, yeah, please get vaccinated. Like, it's better than, you know, being at risk of dying. Yes. Oh, and then this was the other thing is I was um, not for any particular reason. Like I was pretty agnostic about which vaccine to get. I preferred yeah. Pfizer or Moderna. But when vaccinations opened up for the like tier of person that I am in terms of vaccinations, I just picked whichever appointment I could get fastest. Right. Yeah. You got Johnson, right? Signed up for Johnson and Johnson. Two days ago, they put a holdout on Johnson and Johnson vaccines due to blood clotting issues. Six people in like 7 million developed blood clots that were pretty severe. Yeah. Um, and they halted that vaccine. And I was like, crap, I'm supposed to get vaccinated with that vaccine in two days. I scrambled, canceled my appointment, found a new appointment a day earlier, thankfully, with Moderna. That's what I ended up getting. Yeah, that's the one I got. Um, and then I found out if I hadn't done that, they just re... Everyone that was scheduled for Johnson & Johnson in the state that, that I live in just made it so they were going to get Moderna anyways, because that's what my state has the biggest stockpile <laughs> yeah. of. So I was like, I freaked out for nothing and got the vaccine a day earlier, whatever. Um, I mean, as long as you got it and it worked out, and Moderna's like not like really side effect wise isn't bad. So no, I mean, none I heard of them... the second dose was gonna like fight me, so I'm ready. That's like I've heard second dose is worse, but I, I mean, my thing is like, yeah, give me all the side effects you want. It's better than getting coronavirus, and it's nice to feel like I might be able to see a couple of people in person. Cody immediately has the blood count clots, and it's just like. Well, I oh, should have spoke so soon. <laughs> <laughs> Give me whatever side effect you want. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that won't happen. I don't think it will. So, I'm pretty on the vaccination train. Vaccination um, nation. The mark of the beast. The microchips. The 5G. Yeah, my cell service is great, though. So Yeah, <laughs> my cell service has been doing fantastic. I got a 6G. Right? Um, so, anyways, now on to what I wanted to talk to you about. So, this is, like, a pretty hard recommend from me for you. This was oh. going to be on a recommendation show, but then I decided, no, don't want to do that because I, I this needs a special place as something I am recommending episode, to you. So, this right, is something up? I'm recommending to you. It is called Tales from the Tour Bus. Have you ever heard of it? I have. This is a podcast, right? No. Uh-uh. Oh, what is this? Okay. So this is a show made by the same person that made King of the Hill. And <laughs> this has multiple layers to it as to why I find it fascinating. There's a very shallow reason and then a much deeper reason. 
Yeah. My brother told me about it. Um, basically, the like bland description is it's tales from tour buses about country musicians in the 70s, right? So it's just people talking about being on tour with all of these country singers in like the 70s and 80s. Um, and it's made by the guy that made King of the Hill, right? So yeah. I started watching it. And the story I just started watching is vaguely about this country singer who was like gone out of his mind on cocaine and drunk. Hmm. And he pulls up next to his bass player who's in a car and the the bass player leans out the car window and goes, hey, uh, hey, George, what's going on? And George just pulls out a gun and shoots his car door. And then he, he, like, looks at the gun, sets it down, and just goes, well, I'm going home, and just drives off to his house. Is that Bootsy Collins? Hold on. Um, now, there's a second season of um, Tales from the Tour oh, Bus so about yeah. funk. Yep, yeah, okay, um, yep. Yeah. So season George, one is okay, it's George Cl- Oh, it was Bootsy Collins. Okay. So I do know, even if they're animated, I do know my funk singers. <laughs> um, so then he goes to the cops and they're like, well, George, or, you know, they're like, the, the bass player's name was Peanut as well. That's his proper mm. first name. They're like, well, Peanut, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go and arrest him. He'll get 15 years for attempted murder. And Peanut's like, nah, don't arrest George Jones. Like one of the most famous country singers. <laughs> and right. they... And they went and got him and drug him to rehab and dried him out for like six weeks. Then he came back and performed like his best song ever, right? That was like me finding one random episode of this show. And this is when I stopped and thought to myself, you know, um, growing up, okay, I grew up in a very rural area and um, like there was not necessarily a lot of very like it's not like everyone that I knew was in the clan, right? Like, that's not what I mean. But there yeah. was just, like, that kind of racism that exists when there's not a lot of outside influence in a very isolated area, right? Yeah. So everybody, everybody listened to country music, and I was in high school and, like, middle school at the time when rap music was, like, scary and bad, <laughs> and it was yep. all done by criminals, and it was all about crime. That was, And I'm not saying this is true. I'm saying this no, is how rap yeah. music was presented to me, right? Under, yep. Understand that. I went to a Christian school. It was presented in the same way. Yeah. Like, oh, rap is terrifying. It's scary. And then I'm sitting here watching this show about this guy who just tried to murder his bass player because he was high out of his mind on cocaine and blind drunk and then drove home and didn't get arrested. And I'm like, what what kind of double standard racist garbage is this idea that white privilege isn't a thing cody that's not at all white privilege black people are scary they were right the whole time right these country singers are in so crazy so then i start watching tales from the tour bus from the beginning and the beginning of the show the guy that like hosts the show who i think wrote king of the hill mike judge yeah um, the the way he introduced the show was he was sitting there watching TV and people were protesting NWA. <laughs> and he was like, and like, you know, he's like real deadpan. He's like, well, I changed the channel because I happen to like NWA. And I switched to uh, this old country guy named Johnny Paycheck uh, performing a song. He had just gotten out of prison for attempted murder. No one was <laughs> protesting him. Why are we protesting these rappers? You know? 
And then he goes through Johnny Paycheck's story. And this is what, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. And th- they're like really short animated episodes. You can get through them real fast. They're all on YouTube. Um, but the, the thing that hooked me was the story of Johnny Paycheck, who was crazy. Right? So the culmination of That's this story, crazy like... 17 Zs, guys. That's 17 Zs uh, crazy. Yeah, it is. So this story starts with um, Johnny Paycheck fancied himself an enforcer for the Hells Angels. Now, the Hells Angels loved him. And when I say the Hells Angels, I mean the gang of criminals, the Hells Angels, right? He yeah. was a member of that, like <laughs> an actual criminal. And he thought he was like an enforcer from them. But he was, like, a tiny little guy, and the Hells Angels just liked him, so they, like, took care of him and would make sure he was okay. You know, they, like, protected him. <laughs> um, so he was hanging out with the Hells Angels at one of their houses, and they got wind that there was going to be a raid. So Johnny Paycheck, gone on cocaine, grabbed two briefcases full of money and a mountain of cocaine, crammed them all in his car, and drove back to his hometown to avoid the police raiding drug trade he then well crazy on cocaine and drunk stopped at a bar in his hometown and started drinking and well these two guys that kind of vaguely knew him saw him and they come up and they start talking to him and they didn't know that he was like crazy on cocaine at the time and um so apparently there were like three things that happened that johnny paycheck in his delusion took as a threat one One of them commented that they liked his hat because he was wearing a Johnny Paycheck tour hat and they traded hats. Just friendly. The other guy was holding a bottle near him and he was scared of bottles because he was worried they were going to break it and stab him. Yeah, break it and stab him in the face. Now, they weren't breaking the bottle. It was a full bottle of beer and they were in a bar and he was holding it. And then the last (laughs) thing is the guy was like, hey, Johnny, you know, I know you're probably hungry. You're on tour all the time. I made this turtle soup. Would you like some of the turtle soup I made for you? And now here's where the accounts differ. Some people say it's because they argued about the way to make turtle soup. And the other person said that Johnny Paycheck thought it was this guy was calling him a hillbilly because he offered him turtle soup. Either way, for no reason, Johnny pulls out a gun and shoots the guy in the head. What? Just shoots him in the head, like point blank with a revolver. Like actually kills the dude? The bullet goes in the guy's forehead, around his skull, oh. and out through the hat. Okay, Blows so the hat off his head, and the guy takes off running. Yeah, Johnny, no crap. Johnny Paycheck runs out into the street and says, Come back! I won't shoot at you no, no more! Goes back into the bar, gets the hat, drives home, throws the gun out the window on his way home, parks his car, goes inside, goes to sleep. The next morning, the police are there and arrest him. They find a hat with a bullet hole and blood on it in his car. They don't find the gun. And so then the lawyer for the Hells Angels shows up to defend the guy. They have to raise uh, $50,000 for his bail. Um, and they eventually get $50,000. He's bailed out. The day of his trial, he shows up. He's got like a giant beard and crazy eyes and long, scraggly hair. And... um. You know, everyone testifies against him, and then he decides he wants to take the stand. This was in Hillsborough, Ohio. Oh. <laughs> I know where this is. Oh, my God. Johnny Paycheck. So he takes the stand, and he's trying to pass himself off as a pacifist. He's like, you know, I, I don't believe in violence. I'm peace-loving. 
everything's fine. But the problem is the prosecution brings up the fact that he has an album titled Armed and Crazy. <laughs> like It's just like him with his giant hat and like guns on the front of the album. Armed okay, and Crazy. Yosemite Sam, jeez. Yeah. And then at one point they have like a gun out as evidence. He picks up the gun and starts like spinning it and pointing it around the courtroom. And the guy who's like a lawyer for the Hells Angels just like, it was all over after that. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was he bad. got 15 years in jail for attempted murder. And then he gets out and sings this song called Old Violin. And he's just surrounded by all these little old ladies just clapping. Oh, it's Johnny Paycheck. He's got such a wonderful voice. He's so beautiful. That's that's like the first person that they cover. And that's then amazing. it goes to watch this. crazier from there. Yeah, because then they like, also cover Waylon Jennings, too, who I heard kind of had his moments. Waylon Jennings. Like, the thing is, like, I knew Johnny Cash was on a lot of drugs. And it's, like, sad because he's on a ton of drugs. But Johnny Cash didn't shoot people. <laughs> like... They covered Jerry Lee Lewis, who shot up a dentist's office with a machine gun and what crashed his car through the gate of Cody. Graceland and tried to murder Elvis. Cody, Cody, but but the real dangers are the black people who just wanted their artistic freedom. I mean, they're crazy. all drug-toting criminals. Like, and the thing is, like every single person that they like this one guy, um, he wanted he wanted a. This was a manager who was talking to a bus driver because someone wanted a Big Mac. And the man and the bus driver stopped at a truck stop and said, we're eating here. I don't want to drive to McDonald's. And the manager kicked him out of his chair and shot his ear off. Okay, Cody. What? what? Is he, like, if, I just, I don't want to keep breaking the race thing. But if a black person did anything near that anything near this like like i love how it's like rap music is the dangerous criminal like laden music but these guys are monsters yeah yeah so the thing i mentioned at the beginning where a guy named george jones shot at his bass player peanut yeah the reason he shot at peanut is because peanut became a christian and wouldn't do cocaine with him anymore so he shot peanut Like Cody, okay, we Cody, we, you've been talking about this for a solid like ten minutes. We need to move on. This, I just is, you need it, to watch. I it. need to watch this. This is the most insane thing I have. It ever just heard. and it just keeps going. Like the amount of people that were like, "Well, luckily I had a thirty-eight in my briefcase." Like, why do you have a gun? Why did you have that? Like, just I was at a concert, so naturally I had all of my guns with me. What? I just. And then they're like, stand by your man who shot a guy for being a Christian. Give him two arms to cling to until he shoots up the house because he's on a 10-day cocaine bander. That song, Stand By Your Man, that was written about George Jones, the guy that shot up his house because he was on a 10-day cocaine bender. Cody, you just... Usually you bring stuff in and it's like, it can be so hard, but this is the most fascinating thing you've talked about in episodes. This is fascinating absolutely listen to the song stand by your man and realize that that guy she was talking to got so crazy at one point he had an imaginary friend named the old man and daffy duck and they would have fights with each other that he was trying to mediate in the back of a bus alone well the rest of his band was just sitting there like he's talking like daffy duck and an old man and they're fighting 
<laughs> I do want to say this what? is just the most. What do we do? Fascinating. The most, and of course, I'm not even mad you took up all of our time to talk about stuff. I don't even have time to speak about things because of you. But that is the most fascinating thing ever. Um, very quickly, we disagreed about this before the show started, but I watched the first episode of Way of the House Husband, and I thought it was great. I will watch it eventually. It's also only like 18 minute episodes, only five episodes. Give it another chance. I just, I don't know. I just like I got what he was trying to do, but everything was ugly. I, and thought, I just didn't. I thought it was fine. And then, um, then I've been, I texted you this. And we could, we're not going to be able to talk about it on the episode. But I basically been reading misery porn. Um, is this what misery? It's, it's when it's just, it's really depressing stuff, and it's just like it's there. It's like you know, like food porn when you watch food wars there's food porn when you watch something that's super miserable all the time it's misery porn. oh what is this it's called um oyasumi pun pun it's it's a it's a manga but it's basically it's about this it's about this like it's basically a biography of this kid as he like grows up in japan and um deals with depression and all this other stuff and as he like kind of tries to find this girl that he knew when he was a kid who's like his love interest and just everything that goes into it but it is so miserable there's like there's humor and comedy in it because the mangaka who wrote it is like really good at like you know just having weird stuff happen but it's really depressing and there's moments where this kid like you can see it's like oh if he just continues following this path he'll be all right but he keeps just going straight because like it's my thesis that the dude just likes being miserable. But yeah, it's, it's just so miserable. But it's really it's really well-written and really genius work, but it's just so miserable. You Idiot. need to start finding the occasional happy thing to watch. I watch Way of the House the Husband. <laughs> Anyways, Cody. So, since you wasted literally all the time, um, let's get into it. Cody, I'm going first, but what was last? We don't have to do it. We, we don't have to do it. No, we kind of sum up. We sum up. I, our own yeah, I know. That's why I said we don't yeah. have to do it. So I'll go first. But we. So what we've been doing. If you're just tuning in now, you're kind of gonna get lost. And I'm sorry that you waited 20 minutes to get lost. But um, we've been reading stories that we wrote, um, based off of our worlds that we built on episode 118. So every um, yeah, I'm right. Is it right? based on worlds that we wrote? Well, we. Sorry. Oh, it was Based prompt. Up, Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mean to be pedantic. I just yeah, like actually you know, was, like, was you're, I supposed you're, to. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's based on like prompts and sorry, based on ideas that we pitched to each other on episode 118. We necessarily didn't necessarily write the world, but we did kind of pitch the idea of what we're going to be. Writing I get what you episodes. mean. Yeah, I was being needlessly pedantic. I'm yeah. sorry. It, I wasn't no, trying it's fine. To be. I, I get you. So, so if you want to know what these stories are about, and if you haven't been listening up to now, go back to episode 118, and then you'll kind of hear the three built three, three or four stories each, and yeah, um. So I chose this story that I'm calling Anomaly Hunters, Inc. I think it's a horrible name, but we'll get there. Um, so my story's about this guy named Danny who kind of stumbles upon a paranormal situation. Um, and he barely makes it out with his life. And in the hospital, he meets a guy named Alistair, who's the leader of a paranormal investigate, a government-run paranormal investigation agency. Um, eventually, he's paired with Nate, who um, is 
on a mission trying to get an anomaly of these things that they're kind of trying to search for away from this group of weird cultists. Turns out the anomaly is a goat and they run from these cultists only to find out that the goat is a time shift and stops time. They are now on the like run in order to get time back and working while being chased by the things in this world that um make sure that the rules of space and time are followed, call it the time race. So yeah, right now they are literally in the middle of running from time race as um Danny tries to get this goat to restart time. So that's that's me. I'm ready to go whenever you're ready. Man, I'm ready. You're it's all you. Okay. Do I need to explain anymore? Do you remember what we did I did yeah. last time? No, I don't you're good. Okay, where am I? I'm kidding. Anyways, this is part five called A Safe Place. I'm stretching. That's what the silence is. Gotta limber up before doing a story. Yep, I get you. Okay. Okay, and this, again, starts right at the end of last part. So, um, Nate told Danny that time rapes are coming. Time rapes are coming. And they start running. All right. Nate and I booked it, moving as fast as we could to escape the pursuing time wraiths. I was never a distance runner or particularly fast, so I began to fall behind. I could see the hospital in the distance. It was only a matter of time before we made it to safety. If there was such a thing as safety in this situation. The wraith was getting closer. Every time I looked back, it was closing the distance between us. It didn't run or walk, but it kept lurching forward bit by bit like a lagging video game or a movie with an extremely low frame rate. Then again, why would it move on time that we could understand? Every time I turned my head, it seemed like there was another time rate following us until there was a total of five. Don't look back! Just keep running! We're almost there! Nate yelled from in front. They were trying their best to keep ahead, but I could tell they were losing steam fast. In my arms, Lambert squirmed. I couldn't tell if he was more afraid of me or the time race. I could only wonder about this for one more second until I tripped like a fleeing horror movie protagonist and fell to the ground hard as Lambert spilled out of my arms. The soft grass broke our fall. Lambert hit the ground and rolled to his feet, staring at me with panicked, teary eyes. I felt for the guy. Just a bit ago, he was in a comfortable, quiet place, and then he got kidnapped and brought on the wildest adventure most goats will ever see. Behind me, I could feel the race getting closer. It would only be a moment before they were on top of me. I knew I had to act quickly or this would be the end for us. Still laying on my belly from the fall, I reached one arm out to Lambert to comfort him. Shh, shh, it's okay. Hey, hey, it's, it's all right. I said in the calmest voice I could muster up. Lambert took two steps back, never taking his eyes off of me. He was trembling with terror. What are you doing? Get up! We are done for! Nate called after me, truly panicked. I remained as calm as possible and kept my eyes on the goat. Hey, don't listen to them. It's all right. Those scary guys behind us don't matter either. I am going to keep you safe no matter what, okay? I said. Lambert let out a quiet bleat and took a small step forward. I reached out further and gave him a pat on the head. It's okay, buddy. Really, it's okay, I said. I began to sit up as I pet the goat on the head. Once I was to my knees, I moved a bit closer. This time, he didn't try to back away, but leaned into the petting. I had completely shut out the world around me. 
Nate, the Rafes, the stopped time, nothing around me had mattered other than calming down the anomaly in front of me. I would save us, if not for myself, then for Nate and the goat. In this situation, they were the ones that mattered. I knew that with the goat calmed down, things would go back to normal. Hey, you must be hungry, I said as I ripped up some grass from, a, from the ground around me. I held out my palm and motioned for the goat it was okay. Yeah, I'm hungry too, and this grass looks delicious, I continued. Lambert leaned in and began to chew on the grass. I could feel it now, the pressure from the wraiths. I was pretty sure they were right behind me. Everything in my body was screaming at me to just stand up and run, but I knew that would only spook the goat. My mind remained calm despite the chaos behind me. I could almost feel the race breath on the back of my neck, if time race even needed to breathe. In front of me, Nate was screaming and waving their arms for me to go, but that didn't matter. Lambert had moved to my lap and was eating grass with vigor now. He munched and I slowly prepared to be completely erased from time. And then... FULL SENSORY OVERLOAD! All the sound rushed back at once. The cars from the road a little ways in front and behind us roared on. The birds chirped loudly above us. The children playing nearby yelled with joy. And in front of me, Nate screamed, I'm sorry! This is all my fault! Everything was back and it happened so fast I almost jumped, throwing Lambert out of my lap. I realized my pulse was racing and my body was so tense I could just explode. But it was over. We were safe, and Lambert was happy as could be, eating grass out of my hand. I looked back and the wraiths were gone. They had no reason to continue to pursue. We were back inside of time, and there was no way we could manipulate the general flow. Nate ran over to where I was and nearly pushed me over. They were smiling, but the look of fear hadn't completely left their face. Holy shit, man! How do you know that will work? That shouldn't have worked. What? What are you, some kind of goat whisperer? They said excitedly. I... I had no clue that was going to work. I just had to try anything. Plus, I'm good with animals. A goat is basically a dog, right? I asked with a smile. Not in the least bit, they laughed, and then pushed me slightly again. Look, dude, I don't know whether to shove my foot down your throat for taking such a big risk or hug you for saving our lives, but either way, I... I owe- You owe me an apology? I said, cutting them off with the question. Yeah, you came in clutch at the very end. You are right. I don't have to shoulder the mission on my own. Even if I am with a newbie who didn't read the entire Anomaly Handbook, they said with a slight smirk at the end. That's the closest thing to an apology I'll get, isn't it? I said. The ice had melted off of Nate's personality, and they seemed like they were willing to take me in and actually be a good partner. Didn't know if it would be immediate, but I had a feeling I wouldn't be left out anymore or just considered a getaway driver. All it took was almost being erased from time itself. What I'm trying to say is, you did good, kid, Nate said, patting me on the head like a pet dog. Hey, hey, I'm pretty sure we are about the same age, you know, I said, back with a short jab. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh, by the way, this isn't over yet. Those weird cultists are probably shitting their pants wondering how we just teleported the hell out of there. We gotta get back to Alistair. He's not gonna be happy with all the damage control he's gonna have to do, Nate said, turning away to head to the hospital. I smiled and stood up, taking Lambert with me. Okay, buddy, let's go.
The trip to the hospital went with ease once time went back to normal. Alistair was waiting in the back with two more members of No Name and a helicopter. Somehow, Alistair wasn't surprised in the least. Seemed like he was expecting something to happen. Didn't matter that it was a time shift. Maybe Nate was right. He always did things for a reason. Maybe he set Nate and I up together on this mission because he knew we would be okay. Had Nate done it by themselves, maybe things wouldn't have ended up alright. After quick goodbyes with Lambert, No Name airlifted him out of there. They said they were taking him to a mountainous region so he could be free to be a goat without being a threat to himself or anyone else. It was only a short interaction, but I was wishing the best for the little guy, and a part of me would miss him. But it was better for him in the mountains than anywhere a group of fat satanic cultists could sacrifice him for a drink of his blood. After the send-off was some on-the-field training, Alistair explained to me that while doing the jobs was our part, and we were supposed to keep things on the down low, it was his and the cleanup crew's responsibility to cover up any hiccups along the way. Apparently, one time some no-name guys captured a fire demon, and Alistair made it look like an explosion from a gas leak. Alistair said this time around, things might be a little bit more difficult to explain, but he got us covered. A bunch of cultists with plans to sacrifice animals and discharging weapons in public would be an easy one despite our little disappearing act in the van. The van would be the hard part to cover up. It was an accident with no driver. But they were cultists, wearing robes with symbols painted on their heads, and Alistair said he had connections in law enforcement emergency response. Everything was slated to be okay. For our first mission, despite some minor hiccups here and there, and the fact me and my new partner almost got erased from time itself, things went okay. I had a feeling that the job would be like this, always keeping me on my toes, always keeping me scared but prepared. Though, I knew I wouldn't be on my own. Nate and I will end this together. Months went by and mission after mission, Nate and I were together fighting anomalies. Even after we were done with jobs, we were hanging out, either at one of our small apartments or one of two of the only bars in Westonville. Even after our first job and us having a near-death experience, Nate was hard on me, but eventually they warmed up, accepting me as their partner. We were beginning to really trust each other and work as a team, neither one of us shouldering all of the responsibility. Despite the camaraderie, there were parts of Nate that I felt they kept walled off, things that they wanted no one to see, not even me. Eight months into working at No Name, and we were in between jobs, Alistair had called both of us to meet at the Leaky Faucet, one of Nate's favorite hangout spots. After the first time, Alistair never gave us missions directly. Usually it was under a handler named Eli, who would brief us on the cases. Alistair said this time things were a little different and he would prefer to meet us in person. It was weird that things were changed up this time, but we didn't mind. It meant time to hang out, play a friendly game of darts, and eat greasy tater tots while we waited for Alistair to show up. Nate always jumped at the opportunity to use the company car for fun. Whap! Whap! Boom! Three bullseyes again, and another victory for me! Fork it over! Nate said triumphantly. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You got lucky again, I said, shaking my head and handing them the fiver that I had bet them. I told you, Danny, I never miss. When will you finally believe me? It's starting to cost you. 
they said, snatching the five out of my hand and heading to the bar. You have to be cheating somehow, I said, removing Nate's darts and setting them to the side. Another round, good sir. Can you believe this guy? How do you cheat at darts? Nate said to the bartender jokingly. Well, there is absolutely no possible way you could explain how good you are, I said with a smile. Like they say, practice makes perfect. If you weren't too busy playing video games, maybe, just maybe, you might stand a chance. Hey, hey, now, I'm not always playing video games, I shot back. Ding! A welcome bell chimed as the door opened and Alistair walked in, wearing his usual business casual button-up with a blazer. Ah, if it isn't my two favorite employees, he said with a wink. The usual, we'll take the booth over there, he said to the bartender before walking towards a booth on the far side of the bar. I'll have that right up for you, sir, the bartender said with a nod. He immediately began pouring Alistair a drink. Rumor is that Alistair saved the leaky faucet from beer-guzzling fairies back in the day. Stopped them from drinking everyone out of house and home, so they now give Alistair free drinks for life. He doesn't abuse it, though. I rarely see the guy stop by. Which is what made this little meeting weird. Part of me wanted to think it was because Nate and I had been doing a good job. But something told me that wasn't the case. We sat in the back booth out of earshot of anyone around the place. I knew the bartender was aware of no name, but we didn't have to ad advertise who we were to everyone else. Now that we were seated, Alistair's usual grin was gone, though we still had a light-hearted air to him. We waited for the bartender to bring Alistair a drink and a cup of peanuts. Then finally, Nate started us off. Okay, speak, Alistair. I know you didn't just come out here for some pale ale and peanuts. What's up? Oh, I'm just here for a little mission briefing. Nothing too out of the ordinary, he said back, trying to bring the smile back. Yeah, but we could have done that back at the headquarters. So what is it? Come on, has to be something serious, I said, trying to move the conversation around. Okay, okay, fine, tough crowd. You guys read right through me. The next one I got... It might be more personal this time around, Alistair said in a serious tone. Personal to who? Nate said tensely. We've tried to keep this on the down low, but the news got a hold of it anyways. Have you heard what has been going on at Marion Hospital? Alistair said in a dark tone. Marion Hospital. It was one of those things that I felt was always on the news, but never thought of it really standing out until now. If Alistair was mentioning it, it had to be important. Yeah, there's been a few deaths recently. They made the news because it was all clustered in the last few weeks. If I remember correctly, it's in the extended care unit, so that's not out of the ordinary, right? I said hesitantly. They aren't just any deaths. They were five suicides, seemingly out of nowhere. Three jumpings, an overdose, and a fall from the steps that had been deemed intentional. We detected an anomaly recently. But the signal is faint. I can't help but think these are connected, Alistair said in a serious tone. I mean, it would make sense that the anomaly is connected if you had already detected it, I said. I looked over towards Nate and their expression had changed, but they remained silent. How long have you been picking up the signal? The sensors detected the anomaly three weeks ago, but the signal was faint and disappeared. It comes back every now and then. We have been tracking it, but it didn't want, but did not want to cause a disturbance in the extended care unit. 
At this point, we have yet to identify where it is exactly and if and how it has been causing the suicides, Alistair said, looking over at Nate as well. Nate put their head down and finally spoke. Is... is she... is she okay? Nate said, barely above a whisper. We have been in the system and there are no changes to Miss Winter's health, but, but you still want to send me in there, huh? Nate said, cutting Alistair off. Well... We still need someone to go in there and find out from the inside. We will draw too much attention if we just send a team or something to investigate. I'm sorry to use you in this way, but you have a connection to the area and can be there without drawing attention. You can help us investigate and stop this anomaly from causing any more harm. Alistair said slowly and calmly. As long as this isn't your sly way of getting me to reconcile with her, then I'll do it but only for the job and no other reason, Nate said, still as cold as ice. What what am I missing here? I said, looking back and forth between the two of them. I knew I was completely out of the loop. Nate and I had bonded, but there was always but there were always walls. I was expecting an answer, but they continued talking without filling me in. Have more faith in me and in no name. I would never try to manipulate you like that. This is just the best option for No Name. The best option to help keep people safe, Alistair said. The best option for No Name, but is it really the best option for me? Nate fired back. Hey, whatever this is, you're not alone in this, okay? Neither of us will shoulder it. We are a team, I interjected. I had no clue what was going on, but I wanted to let Nate know we were in this together. Yeah, I know, Nate said dejected. All right. All right, I face worse. We can do it together, okay? Nate said, but I could tell they didn't fully believe it. I'm sorry, Nate, for asking you to take on such a taxing job, but I promise you that you have the full support of No Name be behind you guys for this one. We will be with you the entire way, just watching from afar, Alistair said. I could tell he was trying to reassure Nate, but deep down, he did feel some hesitation sending us on this job. I wanted to get to the bottom of this, but I didn't want to push. So, when do we start this prestige mission, I said. If at all possible, I would like you guys to start tomorrow. We need to stop this before it gets any further out of hand, Alistair replied. Cool, great. I'll be there. I'm just going to head out now and get some fresh air. You know where Marion is, right, Danny? Nate said in a dead tone, standing up to leave. Yeah, I can get there. You gonna be alright? I said, worried. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. We'll see, Nate said, walking away. Hey, wait up, I said, getting up to follow them. Sorry, Alistair, I'll catch you later. Just want to make sure Nate is okay. Alistair smiled and waved bye as I followed Nate out of the bar. They walked quickly and didn't look back. Once we reached outside, they turned back and looked at me with questioning eyes as if to say, What do you want? What's going on here? You guys just can't leave me out of the loop. We are partners in all of this. I don't want to be out of it like when we saved Lambert, I said quickly. Okay, okay, fine. Sorry, all of this can be too much sometimes, Nate said. Mary Hospital Extended Care is where my mother... Uh, it's where Rachel Winters is. I could tell there was way more than what Nate was telling me. I thought you said your parents were killed by an anomaly, I said back, trying to understand. That's not what I said, but that's what you chose to believe, and I just rolled with it. But, Nate let out another deep breath. 
My parents had been divorced for a little bit before my dad was killed. I was sent to live with my mom. She was always so distant, so cold, and so hands-off. When I came out to her, I don't know what I was expecting, but she didn't accept it. She could have said anything else, but she told me I would always be her little girl. Since then, she spent her entire time trying to mold me back into what she wanted me to be, and eventually I just stopped trying. So I left, joined No Name. They took me in and gave me a home, and Nate stopped at the end. I could tell that it was hard for them to say all this. Hey, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want, I said gently, putting a hand on Nate's shoulder. I know I don't, but believe it or not, I trust you. I know it might not always seem like it. So, after I left, my mom eventually got sick, some autoimmune disorder. Doctors never really knew what to do about it, so they took her into extended care and she's been there ever since. She has good days, has bad days, but for the most part, nothing changes. Nate paused, then continued speaking up a little bit this time. She's my birth mom, so I thought, sure, I'll go be the good child and make amends with her. But she remained the same person, not a change in sight. So I stopped going. I'm only there if the doctors need to discuss something with me. No more, no less. Yeah, I get that. And while I can't begin to understand, I'm here for you. You don't have to do this one alone, okay? We go together. We will get in and out quick and everything will be okay, I said and smiled, hoping that would mean something. Thanks. Just don't worry about me. I'm sure we'll get through this one okay. See you tomorrow in front of Miriam. I just need some time to think, okay? Nate said and began to walk away again. Yeah, I'll catch you tomorrow. Don't hesitate to call if you need anything, I called after them. But it didn't matter. They were in their own world of swirling thoughts. I was truly lost with what to do in this situation. I only knew to listen. Didn't know what I could do to help. How could I begin to help with parent drama when I ran away at the first chance I had? Either way, we had a job to do. One that I would do to the best of my ability. But little did Nate or I know, this would be the most taxing job we will face yet. And that is the end of my part. I feel a little bit personally attacked because my main character falls down in my chapter. <laughs> Like every protagonist from a horror movie. And I'm like, hey! I have to call it out because it felt way too cliche for me to just have the character trip and fall. It's like, that's 100% every horror movie. It's like, when you're at the chase and you're trying to escape, you trip and fall flat on your face. It's a little cliche. It's a little cliche and I don't mind that my chapter's a little cliche at points. Uh, what do you think about the rest of that? No, I liked it. I was, um, this is a weird critique and I have the same problem in my chapter where there was like, it hit a point and I'm like, oh, that's the end of the yep. chapter. And then you wrote another yeah. chapter. Yeah, um, yeah, no, this is two chapters, but the length of one chapter. Yeah, I have an outline I'm writing to, you know, and definitely this one I was like, oh, I have a lot of ground to yeah, cover yeah. here because the way I've written previous chapters. Same here, because I like Oops. had I put too much in the last chapter, so I had to split it. And so this technically should have been part of the last chapter, but it would have been way too freaking long. It would have been another two pages. Yeah. And so I'm just like, whatever, let's just have um, it be one chapter, but two different ideas. Woo. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. So like, it's funny, like, and I kind of said this before that like, we're basically reading our rough drafts, you know, as we write them. 
And definitely if I had this to do, like, if I was going back and doing an editing pass on this, I would, chapter breaks would be in different places for me. Just because it's funny the way, you know, like you yeah. plan it out and then you actually write it and it's like, why is the chapter yeah, break? Yeah, yeah. If this was an actual story, it'd be very, very different. <laughs> no, I liked it though. Although I'm like mad that Lambert is not going to be like the third party You're member, right. but I'll put it I with mean, it. in a different world or a different story, more length, he would have been the third party. But I wanted to do something slightly more serious for my um, third act. So. What did you think that having Lambert there just like yeah meh, yeah like talking to the mom weird. that doesn't accept who they are and it's like yeah meh, meh. Meh. It's like could you could you not right now it's like I'm going through some emotional trauma please meh. then yeah, yeah so a little inappropriate and the goat's just there like trying to eat your shirt like stop <laughs> yeah, stop it yeah stop a little inappropriate for what I want to write for the rest of this so you know you know anywho Cody you got I this. I understand. All right, my turn? No. <laughs> yes, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm just making sure I'm on the right chapter. I'll let you know if you're not. All right. Oh, okay, so my last yes, time. Yes, yes. Last time, um, Amy Grimes went to her uncle's mansion, accompanied by Milo, the son of Miles, clover they're the two lawyers that have been working with her uncle for forever um she met mary the like the maid a general help person that's there you could say maid yeah maid as as mary said maybe feels a little old-fashioned but basically yeah i mean you Um, wrote a maid and now you're afraid to to talk about a maid like, what is your problem? Kind of. I mean, it's supposed to be an awkward relationship. That's the way it's written in the story. Um, after eating a meal prepared by Mary, Amy decides that they should start a bed and breakfast in the creepy old house. Um, Milo informs her that no one is going to be happy about that idea because the house has so much history. And then um, Amy goes and visits the grave of her uncle, tells off his grave, and that is where we are starting. And I need to turn down my music. It's way too loud in my ear. Yeah, I did see you bobbing back and forth while you were listening to my part. I was like, what does he jam and do? Uh, Jazz music from Japan. Oh, uh, sorry, the seatbelts or something different? No, no, random. So I have no idea who this is at the moment. Uh, Okay. I was sitting in Milo's car in the drive by the mansion's front door. By my mansion's front door, I suppose. It was around two in the afternoon, and I was beginning to feel a cold thrill. I could not wait for what was about to happen next, but this first step was definitely going to be the hardest part. Milo, how would you like to come to dinner at around 7 p.m.? Is this to be an intimate dinner, or will you be inviting several guests? I roll my eyes at the phrase intimate dinner. You and your father are both invited. It will be the first dinner of the Grimes Bed and Breakfast. Ah, a business dinner then. Milo actually looks a little sad. We shall both attend, of course. Great, I'll need feedback on the menu as well as advice on permitting and contact information on contractors. There's a lot to do. This is just me taking my first steps. All work, hey, Miss Grimes? I have been bored for years. I cannot wait to actually do some work. Now, get your dad and be back here at 7 p.m. I promise this is a meal you will not want to miss. 
Milo nods stiffly as I get out of the car. Very well, Miss Grimes. I start to walk away and turn around and lean down to the window. I do look forward to working with you, Milo, and I'll have to cook you something special sometime for all the help that you've given me. Not necessary at all, miss. Well, not necessary at all, Amy. He seems a little more chipper as he drives away. I stood in the driveway kind of shocked at myself. I not really meant to flirt with Milo, but he was nice enough and I have to make a meal for guests tonight. I rush into the house, slam the door, trip on one of the horrible statues. My stomach drops as the creepiness of the room sinks in. Too many shadows, too quiet. I can already hear the ringing starting. Mary! 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 I hear a crash as a large saucepan rolls out of the hit rolls out of the kitchen ahead of a panicked Mary. Amy, what's wrong? Mary, I invited people over for dinner. We have to make dinner. I should have told them to come tomorrow. I'm so sorry. How many are going to be here? Well, including us four. So we have five hours to make a meal for four people, including us. I know it's not enough time. Amy, are you sure you want to own a restaurant? What? There are, I kid you not, 50 chairs in the dining room. I think we can handle a dinner for four people. I start to laugh. Mary, you know, I I love to cook, but I don't think I've ever really made a meal for guests. This is kind of a thrill. What should we make? I'm terrified and excited. This is going to be the first meal we're serving as a bed and breakfast, kind of. It's perfect. Well, let's see. We have a lot of squash being harvested right now. We also are still getting the last of our tomatoes, broccoli and apples, and some greens are all in season. If you want protein, there's a butcher I know that has great stuff. I can get you an address. Hmm. Okay. So I guess starting at the end, pumpkin pie is always a classic. Oh yeah, that goes over well and poor old Clover can chew it. I'd like to st- I like to start with soup and salad. I could do a butternut squash soup and a salad with apples and chestnuts and a balsamic vinaigrette. Uh, what do you want to do for the entree? You said tomatoes are in season right now, right? Yep. Give me the name of that butcher and I'll take care of the rest. An hour later, I was in my car. Well, the car of my dead uncle. It looked like it would have been very fashionable in the 1970s if I was Elvis. I have never considered Burgundy to be the definition of luxury, but the good news is the speedometer goes all the way up to 60 miles an hour and there is no check engine light, so I don't think it's even possible for the car to break down. I had tuned the radio into the only station that was coming in and listening to Stand By Your Man and smiling and humming along. In the seat next to me was some fresh ground sausage as well as farm fresh cheese and other herbs the butcher had in the store. The store itself was ancient and looked like it had been there for hundreds of years. There were at least three generations working in the store. A little kid pushing a broom, a middle-aged woman running a slicer, and then another adult running the register. In the corner, there was an old man with a rocking chair just sitting and chatting with everyone, and also eating peanuts. Really, the place was amazing, though. Beautiful cuts of meat, and they had... Beautiful cuts of meat. They had everything. And apparently, they had been buying and selling locally as long as they had been in business. I got back home and set to work. Mary was prepping vegetables and getting a broth heated up. Meanwhile, I sauced tomatoes and set them to cook down with sautéed onions, then thinly thinly sliced a pile of basil. Next, I set to making a simple pasta dough. Of course, this kitchen had a powered pasta roller, which was magical. Then I uh, set to filling and cutting out raviolis. 
um, using ricotta cheese and fresh sausage. Mary was watching me while she stirred a faintly bubbling pot. Not that I want to ruin this new job, job opportunity before it starts, but I was kind of serious, you know. Are you sure you want to start a restaurant? Well, I, I love to cook things, and it's always kind of been a dream, so yeah, I'm pretty sure. Why, do you think it's not going to be good? I mean, I guess ravioli's kind of basic. We could do something more complicated. N no, Amy, I kind of mean to imply the opposite. Running a business is hard work, and it won't just be the, you know, two of us hanging out in the kitchen. We could do that without starting a restaurant or a hotel. I know that, but I don't want to just sit here alone in this big, creepy old house. Honestly, unless I'm talking to you, this place does seem kind of haunted. I'm hoping having the place full will make it loud and less creepy. Amy frowns. Yeah. I guess that is not much different. It will just be weird to have people here. It might seem kind of odd, but I got used to being alone. I really... And really, you are already an improvement over old Mr. Grimes. You at least talk to me. Well, you are going to be my head chef, so I'm sure we'll have to talk a lot. It'll be fun. We can have a project together. And I mean... For sure, I'm not going to fire my only business partner. Well, I hope that's true in the long run. I'm not really sure there's much else I could do. Around 6.45, we were doing final plating. The pie was cooling and the salad and soup were ready. I was just about to use the broiler to melt uh, mozzarella on four individual bowls of ravioli. Go welcome our guests. I can handle this. Oh yeah, and don't forget to don't forget to top the still hot dish with fresh basil. Yes, I know. I walk into the entryway with the army of haunted statues, and the silence feels like a different world to the brightly lit and noisy kitchen. I can already feel anxiety building as the bell finally rings at 7pm sharp. I rush to the door and open it and have to stifle a laugh. Old Miles, uh, wait, Old Miles and Milo Clover are both wearing tuxedos. Meanwhile, I'm wearing leggings and an oversized sweatshirt. <laughs> Mary was wearing a flannel shirt and jeans with an apron. The miscommunication became apparent when I realized that I was not even wearing shoes. <laughs> Come in, gentlemen, I said with a grin. Are we early? asks Miles, actually looking confused. Dad, we're on time, of course. Good evening, Amy. Thanks for having us. Right, well... Come on in. Let's go back to the kitchen. I can show you what we've made for dinner. Miles ignores this and shuffles off to the dining room, leaving me alone in the hall. Uh, don't worry. He's kind of hard of hearing and he's, you know, a man of habit. It's just... Is it okay for us to just use the dining room for tonight? Right, with like 46 empty chairs... So. Yes, well, yeah, it's no big deal. I walk into the massive dining room. It is truly huge, but almost stifling with paintings and heavy curtains and thick old carpet and a wooden table with evenly spaced chairs that looked ancient and hand-carved. Miles was already sitting. He had taken a seat just to the left of the head of the table. I went and sat across from him and Milo sat next to him very stiffly. Miles looks still more confused. You know, it is tradition that the head of the house sits at the head of the table. Oh, yeah, you know, 
I'm fine here. This is nothing formal. I just needed to discuss something with both of you. Right. Milo mentioned that you had some notion of a hotel or something of the sort. The door to the kitchen's open. The door to the kitchen's opens. The door to the (laughs) kitchen opens. Mary enters, looking nervously around at the three of us. She drops off three salads, not making eye contact with anyone, and starts to leave. Oh, Mary, have you met the Clovers, Miles, and Milo? Mary nods quietly. I look at her confused. Ten minutes ago, she was outspoken and chatting while we were both cooking. Aren't you going to join us? This concerns you as well, after all. How novel. I don't think Mary has ever joined us for a meal, says Miles. Right, well, Mary's going to be the head chef of Grimes' bed and breakfast. She knows the town and is familiar with the kitchen. And I loved her cooking, so this matter applies to her as well. I think that's a great idea. Mary has been a part of this house for years. It's only right she works for you as well. Isn't that right, Dad? Miles Clover is just as, is just a pale and vacant mask, almost pretending not to hear his son. Miss Grimes, now tell me about your plan for this historic building. Yeah, right. Well, Mary says we are equipped to cook for large numbers of people, and there are at least, what, two dozen bedrooms? There is some tourist trade in the, in the town, according to people that I've talked to, so my plan is to turn this place into a bed and breakfast. Now, I know that seems like a big change, and there's so much work to be done. But, well, given my inheritance, I think I can make it happen. But this is where the two of you come in. First, I need to know what it takes to make this place a commercial property and a commercial kitchen. Probably it needs a health inspection, so many details like that. Well, Amy, that is a lot, but we can look into the legal side of things and the zoning, and I'm sure there's a good contractor if any modifications are needed, says Milo. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's... Mm. Sorry. I need to, like, color code yeah, lines. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't like, know we, you definitely them. need to do that. I need to do it a little bit, too. But, like, yeah, having five people talk at once is kind of hard. I know. Four people. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot that will need it to be done. I like the classic look of the place, but those statues have to go, and the paintings are creepy. Maybe we can have an auction? Miss Grimes, this home is the unofficial base of operation of the Order of the Vidum. This is a brotherhood. This brotherhood is your birthright, and their history is built into the home below the foundation, the very heart of Grimes Manor. Given the history, I do not see this place becoming some tourist lodging, but fear not, Miss Grimes, the Order of the Vidum will lodge here frequently, and hosting them is a substantial responsibility. A meeting is in order, as the death of your uncle has called into question the leadership of the organization. I could contract them and arrange for them to stay as soon as this weekend. I am speechless. And Milo looks like he wants to be anywhere else. (laughs) Mary, meanwhile, is cramming lettuce into her mouth. Wow, this salad is just so great. The apples, fresh and crisp, says Milo. Yeah, let me get the soup. Mary made it. It's also amazing. Mary jumps up. Oh, don't worry, I'll get it. What? No, you don't have to worry, Mary. Mary looks mortified. As I hop up and walk into the kitchen, starting to feel my rage bubbling. 
Boy, Miles seems like a sweet old man, but he sure does tend to ignore people. I grab the warm bowls of soup and come back into the kitchen. Mary, Milo, and Miles are all just sitting there in total silence. Here's the soup. Oh, great. Thanks, Amy and Mary. This looks great. Oh, um, thanks, Mr. Clover. This is butternut squash soup with some bacon, onion, and cream, and nutmeg. As I was saying, Miss Grimes, the order does need to meet soon. D- Dad, maybe we can just enjoy the meal and then we can see what we can do to help Mary. I'm trying to help her, Milo. That is why I'm telling her about... Okay, I'm going to stop both of you. Sorry, I-, I know I'm an outsider, but this is my house, right? If someone from this order wants to come here and stay, that's fine. They can pay me for a room and they can pay Mary for food. And we would love to have them. But I'm not a member of any order. But here is what I need from both of you. Whatever legal stuff is required to turn this place into a B&B and the number of a general contractor that I can get to gut all of the creepy stuff out of this house. I am certain that you will find that you will not be able to find anyone in town willing to ruin the history of this house. Really? Well, I have a million dollars, so I bet I can find someone. I managed to find this place, so I'm sure there's other people outside of this little town that don't care about your club. Miss Grimes, if you insist on following this course of action, I'm sure your uncle will be disappointed. Yeah? Well, I'm disappointed for him never being in my life. So if you imagine I owe my estranged family some debt, sorry you got the wrong grime. Now, who would like the main course? I'm afraid I've quite lost my appetite. Milo, I'll be in the car. Dad, Dad, come on. You don't have to be like that. It's fine. I'm sure the order can still meet here. It'll just be a little different and... Milo, this is not right! Mr. Grimes did not intend this when he left this house to her. Miles hobbled his way out of the house. Mary broke the endless silence. We are having ravioli for dinner if you would like some, Milo. The three of us just started laughing and ate ravioli. I did tell you the old man would not love this idea. Imagine how I feel. Amy came in here and decided that we were going to start having tourists in the house, and I thought she might kill your dad with that line. Well, if anyone would understand the full context of that opinion, it would be you, Mary. Milo left quickly after that. His dad was sitting in the car in protest. But before he left, he handed me the business card for a local contractor that could handle the renovations and told me he would look into zoning issues. Then... It was quiet, just me and Mary eating pumpkin pie, which was excellent. Well, they may not be the best first customers, Mary said. (laughs) Who cares? I knew he was going to be furious. You seemed scared, though. Uh, And what did Milo mean about you knowing that Miles would hate the idea? Oh, I was just around a lot, you know. I served the order a lot of their meals, so... I get that they're probably going to assume that they could still eat here, she said uncomfortably. Anyway, I imagine you are not going to want to stay in your uncle's room tonight? Oh god, no. She smiled. I can show you the least creepy room, and I'll only charge you 60 a night if that's okay with you, Miss Grimes. I climbed into bed excited for tomorrow. 
I was glad I was going to be I was glad I was not going to be staying in my uncle's room. I am sure there is absolutely no way it was not unbelievably creepy, considering this room was really mm. creepy enough. Everything was dark dark wood and blood red curtains and shadows. Dottie crawled into the room with me and I started playing music on my phone and kept the screen lit cuz I knew, sorry, scrolling. There was for sure no way that I was not going to start seeing mo- mm. there was no way that I would not start seeing things moving around this room. I drifted off into a contented sleep, Dottie purring on my lap. I woke up to a crash with my heart racing, but I looked around the dark room, but when I looked around the dark room, it was just the window creaking open. It must have been blown open by the wind. I grabbed my phone to use as a flashlight, but the battery was dead. I sighed and got up and stumbled over to the window and snapped it shut. I sat back down in the bed, hoping my heart would stop pounding, but instead I just heard the deafening click of a clock somewhere in the house. I sat there for what felt like hours, just hearing click, 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 anxiety rising. I felt sick and my mind started to race. Then I heard it. A squeak thump, squeak thump, squeak thump. It was footsteps. It sounded like someone was walking down the hallway of this massive house. No, this had to be fake. It's not real. I just get weird at night. That's all. The house is empty. But then the steps continued getting louder and louder and louder until they were right by my door and stopped. I began to hyperventilate. Then the steps continued, growing quieter. I had to be imagining it. I had to be. I stood up and crept to the door and slowly eased it open. Sorry, slowly eased it open, cursing the old creaking hinges and poked my head out of the door just in time to see the door to my uncle's bedroom, large and carved, snap shut. Nope, that was just a trick of the shadows, but I couldn't stay in my bedroom anymore. I I just needed some fresh air or something. This place was far too quiet and way too creepy. I began to sneak back towards the stairs and down into the entryway. I could turn on the lights in the kitchen and cook something. That place was always bright and noisy. Once my feet hit the floor of the entryway, the smell hit me. Wet earth and decay. It was so powerful. As I looked across the room, the front door was swinging open and my heart dropped. Someone was in the house. I needed to call the police or someone, but my phone was dead. I looked out over the statues. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I could see one of them move. Keep going! Cody! My context just... No, sorry, my Who cares? Out the whole you can't thing just do that. <laughs> uh, I looked out over the statues, and out of the corner of my eye, I could see one of them move. As my eyes swept across the room, I could feel more and more of them moving. Shadows climbing up the walls, and my ears began to ring. I could hear the grinding of stone, but every time I tried to focus on the movement, it would stop. Not intentionally, I screamed. I fell onto the floor and began to crawl backwards, but somehow the statues kept coming closer and closer. They were never really moving, but I could swear the corner I had crawled myself back into was becoming more and more crowded, and to the point where I thought I would be crushed. I was screaming, but somewhere in the rational part of my mind, I knew I was alone, and it would not help. Amy, get up! What are you doing? Run! There was a blinding light as Mary came sliding into the room in a robe and fluffy slippers carrying a massive flashlight. Mary shouted, What are you doing, you fools? She's a grime! This is her house now! 
As the flashlight swept around, I could see deep scars cut into the wood of the floor as if stone had been drunk across them. The stone statues had pressed all around me, their faces frozen with looks of rage, some of them drawing knives. Amy, damn it, get up! If they make up their minds, they're going to kill you and I cannot help! I scrambled to my feet and ran over to her. What? Why are you here? And the statues, they were- I'll explain later, just get out the front door! What? Okay, Mary grabbed my hand and drug me to the door. As we moved, the house rattled. Wind howled through the hallways like a cavernous scream. Halfway to the open door, a massive chandelier broke loose and smashed on the ground. Out of the darkness, a stone knife flew from one of the statues that I could swear I just caught sight moving out of the corner of my eye. I shrieked and ducked, but Mary just kept hauling me out the door. As soon as we made it out into the darkness, the door slammed shut, and I could swear I heard the snapping of a lock behind me. Mary stood there, panting. Was that real? Did did you see that they attacked? But they're just statues, and why are you even here? Someone was outside my room, and Mary, what is happening? Mary just stared. I, I think I should make you a cup of tea. C- come on, I have a little college around the back of the house. And that is the end of my chapter. So, I have so many comments. One, when you said the thing to me is like, oh yeah, it should have been like into the episode like multiple times to you, I say, yeah, you did the same exact thing. Um, right when you started the whole shadow stuff, ha- all this stuff happening at the very end, that should have just been another episode. Doesn't matter. That should have Doesn't been another matter. chapter. You had me. You had <laughs> me the whole time. Okay. So, comments, they're not... Okay, first of all, good. I liked it. I loved it. Great. But... I'm wondering if it's possible for a human being to actually be in a horror story these times. Because as soon as they started talking weird about the order or whatever, I would have been like, okay, whatever you want. Something's up with this. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> what do I need to do to not get got? Because that's the first thought. It's like, oh, she's just digging a hole right now. She's just digging, 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 digging. Uh-oh. That's not going to end well for her. Um. Then the second thought is like, you definitely... Like I said, you you had me the whole time. Like especially like once everybody left, I'm like okay. So and then when you stopped randomly, I was like, Cody, you can't do that. I'm like, <laughs> I've got you have me. I'm hook line sinker. Holy crap! Well, and that was like the idea here was that like if the house is haunted, right? And she's just like there, like just middle fingers yeah, to everybody, make, like, like burn it to the ground, and it's like. Oh no! <laughs> They're so upset by that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited um, to see, but yeah, she definitely just dug herself a big old hole and jumped right in it. Like did the whole thing on the nose, like yeah. cannonball thing straight into the hole she dug. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, the things that I regret in this are I hate that I named the two characters Milo yes. and Miles. It's so confusing. I. I'm committed to it now, but I should have just like Control F, change Milo to any other name. I learned that lesson Um, when like scripting out like stuff for like um, anime and comic ideas because I used to do similar names for characters like um, Lucia and um, Lucia and Lucien were both characters. Lucas, Lucia, Lucien were three characters, all brothers. 
usually I, I, I like do that. See, usually I'm very well, I, conscious. I'm conscious of it, especially if they're like, related characters having similar names. Like I would have definitely done the Miles and Milo thing, but it is definitely hard when you're doing an audio medium to go back and forth between Miles and Milo. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I don't fault you because I do the same thing. Yeah, and the color coding lines, like this is like doesn't matter. But color coding lines for myself, I just need to start doing if I have that many people talking because I want to be able to have scenes where there's more people. Because I like the thing where like Milo is trying to just be like, we can make it work. It's fine. Like I'm trying not to. And then my and then Miles is just like, what are you doing? You can't change anything. Like I liked that like interplay between those two characters. Um. But it's really hard to do if you don't color code the lines. Because you can't see that he's, like Milo said at the end of the line, at the beginning of the line. You know what I mean? It's I like I like what you're doing. I see I kind of see what you're doing because I've I mean it's horror, haunted house horror. I get what you're doing, but I like it. I'm I'm there's like a few twists that I don't I'm think excited. you're gonna you see can coming. Surprise me. I'm and excited. I'm, very excited Cody, are for. Are you excited for my story? I know I'm making this all about me, but I'm. Sc- I am because yeah, I'm sitting I'm here. Really it's like, man, it. the listeners are now just going to be like eating yourself up because I was literally sitting here, just like, yes, yes, forgetting that this is a podcast that we do. And we're like, I'm recording. This. I was like into the story you're telling me. And I was like, oh crap, yeah, we're at the end of the episode. Oh no, <laughs> like no, you you did yeah. a really good job. Well. And that's why I like getting this so much mm-hmm, time to build mm-hmm. stuff up because I like that like Amy gets time to like hate on her uncle because like for her this is a very upsetting thing that she's realized and it's like a bridge that's burnt and she's just done with it like already like the idea that she would come back and feel some like familial obligation to this person is like laughable to her it's like i have no stakes i don't care about him like and i don't particularly mind telling anyone that you know um but then the house is haunted so that like comes but you know what i mean it like has this thing where she gets to like make the house really mad (laughs) before the first night and i was i liked getting to build that all up i I appreciate it i thought it was a really I, i think you're doing a great job my friend i think you're doing a great job i think the only thing i wish i could have done but it just the pacing wouldn't have worked out is i wish i could have done more subtle horror early on but it kind of needed to be all the way there otherwise this this would take a this would be a novel length and that's not the point so like it needed to be like switches on the house is haunted. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, you, you flip the haunted switch. And there's no turning it off now, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was good. Um, because I had to go to the bathroom really bad. I'm gonna say let's wrap it up because I gotta pee. Um, no one needed to know that. Okay. Um, so Cody, what are your plugs? Check me out at the Wandering Gamer Network. We're mostly a podcast and sometimes on Twitch. And sometimes on YouTube. It changes so much. Like, it, no, sorry, it changes subtly from week to week, and I think that's hilarious. Um, anyways, you can check me out at Someday I Guess 00 at twitch.tv, where I do an anime show on Wednesdays, and then I stream um, video games on Sundays. And then you can check out my other podcast, The Side Characters Podcast, with my dearest friend, Leah, where we talk about diversity in nerd culture. All right, and that is all I got. So, Cody, you got anything else that you want to add or anything you want to say before we end? Okay, well, cool. Nah, I'm glad man. that we did this. Um, thank you all for listening, and as always, we will catch y'all on the flip side. Bye! Bye!
Bye.